Welcome to Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams. In the first test in the nation of a so-called ag-gag law, a Utah woman was recently charged for using her cell phone to film a slaughterhouse. Charges against Amy Meyer were subsequently dropped. Under Utah's law, House Bill 187 passed in 2012, it's illegal to film or record, sound record, an agricultural operation while trespassing or entering the premises on false pretenses. Meyer says she became an animal rights activist and vegan after learning about conditions in factory farms and that people deserve to know where their food is coming from. Supporters of the law, on the other hand, say that these uh, secret recordings do nothing to help the public and that if a person suspects wrongdoing at an agricultural operation, the proper step is to contact law enforcement. There's already a, re- already a remedy. We're going to ask you in this hour what you think. Do surreptitious whistleblowers at farms and slaughterhouses provide a needed service, or are they a public nuisance? Do you think Utah's so-called ag-gag law is a necessary protection or an infringement on citizen rights? Our guests in this hour uh, form a panel to discuss this issue from all sides, and uh, we welcome in animal welfare activist uh, Amy Meyer. Welcome uh, to the program. We also uh, welcome in uh, Meyer's defense attorney, uh, Stuart Golan. We have with us Vandana Bala, General Counsel for Mercy for Animals, uh, Lamar Roach, kennel, cattle trader and farmer, and Sterling Brown, Vice President of Public Policy for Utah Farm Bureau. Welcome to everyone. Thank you. Good morning. Let me start with uh, Sterling Brown. I want to maybe probe why, uh, from the point of view of agriculture, this particular law was needed. Uh, of course, we had the debate in uh, 2012. It passed the legislature, signed into law, but uh, maybe you can refresh our minds why your constituents, uh, Mr. Brown, wanted this law. Good morning. Good to be with you. Happy to address the listeners this morning. There's a growing misconception out there that farmers and ranchers in general want to hide the practices that are taking place on their respective farms and ranches. We would like to turn that to a more true statement that says we're trying to protect the interests of the farmers, the ranchers, the livestock, and the consumers, who, of course, that consume uh, these products. We feel this legislation of a couple years ago helps move the needle towards that end of Here we have Utah family farms and ranches that have uh, fuel tanks, fertilizers, uh, animals that weigh 1,500-plus pounds, equipment, hydraulics, other uh, means that make those properties potentially dangerous. And we feel like this legislation is an attempt to help protect the public, protect the consumers, as well as the livestock operation and the animals themselves. I wonder if I had to follow up a little bit. Uh, so protect uh, consumers, uh, uh, so protect maybe some people coming on who would be uh, in danger not knowing what they're doing around an agricultural operation? What what other senses of protection are you talking about? Right. That, that would be the first and foremost. Like I said, those things on a farm and ranch that could be potentially dangerous. This legislation could help protect the public from entering those operations. But it's also no secret that harvesting meat for public consumption is not always the most glamorous event. And human senses react differently to those kinds of harvesting methods. And if the public seeks to better understand and become familiar with those practices, then ask the private landowner uh, permission that you, or express interest, you have a desire to learn more and strike a relationship and learn more through that way. I suppose that would be a a good way to to, to proceed, but what if a producer uh, is abusing animals? They're not going to want to invite public on, are they? Well, you're probably right, and there's no doubt some producers uh, that mistreat animals and farmers and ranchers uh, certainly don't support that. The vast majority do an exceptional job. We have a rich, proven history of that. Uh, In those cases, we would invite the public to pursue an operation in which there's an opportunity to learn the proper care of animal husbandry. 
Um, by the way, uh, Mr. Roach uh, may join us later. He's uh, he's in the middle of uh, something. I'm not sure. That, you know, maybe. Uh, on, on his farm somewhere. So we may be joined by Lamar Roach, a cattle uh, trader and, and farmer, a little later on the program. We're talking right here with Starling Brown, Vice President of Public Policy for Utah Farm Bureau. And we have with us animal welfare activist Amy Meyer, Meyer's Defense Attorney Stuart Golan, and Vandana Bala, General Counsel for Mercy with Animals. We're talking about Utah's so-called ag-gag law. This is House Bill 187, passed in 2012. Makes it illegal to film or record agricultural operations while trespassing or entering the premises on false pre tenses. This has uh, created a lot of interest, not only in Utah, but nationwide. One indication uh, on the Salt Lake Tribune uh, website, 194 comments on this particular story. Let me turn to uh, Amy Meyer, um, and uh, I wonder what prompted you to uh, to do this, your action, which has occasioned, of course, many discussions, including this one. Uh, on that February day, when you you say you stood on uh, public property, you used your cell phone, I believe, to uh, to record operations at a, at a slaughterhouse. What what led you to do this? Well, I pass by the Dale Smith Meatpacking Company every weekend on my way to volunteer at um, Ching Farm Rescue and Sanctuary, which is a local nonprofit organization that um, provides a forever home to um, abused or abandoned farm animals. And on this day in February, I decided to um, take a closer look at the slaughterhouse um, and drive on the other public road that goes behind it. And um, just in my car, I was able to see the cows entering the building, so I decided to pull over um, and get a closer look and brought my camera. um, And I stood on the public easement, and what I saw um, was horrifying to me. You could see the cows being led inside the building, and they were struggling to turn around as soon as they could hear the misery that was awaiting them. You could see piles of horns scattered around the property and the flesh being spewn from a chute up the side of the building. Um, And then I witnessed what I believe to be a clear act of animal cruelty um, to animals. I saw a live cow who appeared to be sick or injured being carried away by a tractor, um, and I didn't think that anyone would believe that this is happening in our own backyard here in Utah, right off of I-15, so that's when I began to film. And you, uh, and of course this turned out to be not an exact test of, of the law because uh, the charges were dropped because you were, I guess, able to prove that you were standing on public property. Correct, yes, yeah, the, the prosecutor determined from the video evidence um, that it appeared that, yes, I was, in fact, as I told the police at the time and as I maintained through this entire time, that um, I was just on the public property, which, is, like you said, is not um, a violation of this law. It would have only been a violation if I would have been trespassing, um, which, of course, trespassing is already an offense before um, this ag-gag law was put into effect. And uh, so you pulled out your camera, started filming. What uh, did you intend to do with this with this footage? Well, unfortunately, um, from the public easement, there's a large field before the slaughterhouse, and so the video footage is not compelling. But, of course, you can see um, video of exactly what I was witnessing, you know, uh, downed cows being taken away um, on numerous websites, uh, Humane Society of the United States, Mercy for Animals. Um, but I was just in trying to get footage of what, to show people that this happens here. This is not in some faraway place. This is this is right here in our backyard. Um, but of course, because I was so far away on the public property, the video is not as compelling as just witnessing it um, in person. And then what happened? Uh, somebody confronted you. Correct. Someone from the slaughterhouse drove over and confronted me and told me what I was doing was illegal Um, and I corrected him and told them I was on the public easement and I had a right to be there Um, at that point he uh, he told me that he had thought he had seen me trespassing and I maintained I never trespassed there's a barbed wire fence that clearly shows where private property um, starts and I remain next to the road on the public right away the whole time um and at that point he called the police and uh, just a couple minutes later several police cars arrived and did an investigation 
um, determined there wasn't enough evidence to arrest me at that time and screen me for charges hmm. with the prosecutor. A little later, you were you were charged. Correct. I think it was um, eleven days later that I received notice that I was being charged. Then you were you're you were going to you're gearing up to fight this, and then a little while later, you you found out uh, charges were dropped. Correct. Let me turn to uh, uh, defense attorney Stuart Gullen. Um, as I mentioned before, this is uh, perhaps not an exact test of of Utah's House Bill one eighty seven because. Uh, Amy was able to prove she was on uh, on public land, um, and I wonder, in, in your view, should these charges have even have been brought? Um, I think that the charges probably should not have been brought, but um, the prosecutor did choose to file charges and ultimately, I think, made the right decision determining that there simply was not enough evidence to go forward with Ms. Meyer's prosecution. And in your view, um, on the merits of 187, the so-called ag-gag bill, as Amy mentioned, if she had crossed that fence, she already would have been trespassing. Uh, is that not sufficient? Correct. It, it, I mean, it, trespassing is already criminalized under the Utah Code. And so what this does is it adds an additional Class B misdemeanor charge if you trespass on property that's used for a particular industry or a particular purpose, which I think is certainly concerning because mm-hmm. the intent of HB 187 and the statute doesn't seem to be to prevent trespassing. It seems to be to prevent gathering information about a particular industry that we're treating differently than any other industry. It seems to be designed to prevent people from gathering information that can be used to create a public dialogue about a particular business, and I think that raises First Amendment issues. And that seems to be, uh, you know, from comments... Uh, on websites and, and such, that seems to be the main thrust of why a lot of people are, are against this House Bill 187. Uh, I wonder if I could a- ask you that particular question, uh, Sterling Brown. I'm sure you've heard this objection, that it, the people who are whistleblowing, uh, particularly in agricultural ap- operations, singled out, and th- this is unfair. Well, there's no question that the public in general has the right to understand thoroughly understand where their food and fiber comes from, how it's produced, etc. Uh, we feel like the intent of HB 187 was to uh, protect the very production of food and fiber. There's rules and regulations, laws to help govern and administer that safe, affordable, abundant food that we all enjoy. But the vast, vast majority of Utah family farms and ranches, they don't need rules and laws to practice good animal husbandry. That's, that's common sense. That's the right thing to do. Those rules and laws are for the minority. It's those bad actors out there that need to, be, need to have these sideboards or parameters so that they can be held accountable. And... Uh, Food production is a security issue, and HB 187 was an attempt to help ensure that our food remains safe from outsiders that may want to disrupt that production. Of course, uh, animal uh, welfare activists, and I'm sure we'll hear a little later in the program uh, from uh, Vandana Bala, they're citing this, the need for whistleblowing, as a food safety issue. We've got to get some of these abuses out of the system to make the system safer. Yeah, I, again, HB 187 uh, was just an attempt to help ensure that the production of one of our most essential items of life, food, is done in a proper manner that the public can rely on for a abundant, safe product. Uh, we are going to take a brief break. We'll be back. Much more on this topic. Our panel includes Sterling Brown, Vice President of Public Policy for the Utah Farm Bureau, animal welfare activist Amy Meyer. She's at the center of this latest incident. She uh, took out her cell phone and uh, filmed operations at a slaughterhouse 
and was charged under uh, Utah's so-called ag-gag law. Charges were later dropped. Mars defense attorney is with us, Stuart Golan. We're going to involve Vandana Bala, General Counsel for Mercy with Animals, uh, for Animals when we come back. Do surreptitious whistleblowers at farms and slaughterhouses provide a needed service, or are they public nuisance? Do you think Utah's so-called ag-gag law is a necessary protection or an infringement on citizen rights? Um, should uh, agricultural operations be singled out in terms of whistleblowers, as uh, Mr. Brown has said, uh, uh, because uh, food is, is so important, or, or not? Is this, is this unfair? More following the break. Programming on Utah Public Radio is made possible in part by our members and the Utah Shakespeare Festival, presenting Cole Porter's Anything Goes with seven other productions, June through October 2013 in Cedar City, www.bard.org. Programming on Utah Public Radio is made possible in part by our members and Utah Festival Opera and Musical Theater through August 10th in Logan, presenting Pirates, Ghost Ships, Curses, and Treasure in Wagner's thriller, The Flying Dutchman. Information at utahfestival.org. You're listening to Access Utah. Tom Williams with you live. We are revisiting a debate from May when uh, this uh, topic uh, exploded with the uh, arrest of Amy Meyer. And there's uh, news on this. That's why we're repeating this debate today. Uh, two animal rights groups and six individuals filed a civil lawsuit yesterday in U.S. District Court challenging Utah's so-called ag-gag law, which they say is overly broad and discriminates against free speech about activities of animal agricultural operations. Two of the people on the program today are involved in this lawsuit. Amy Meyer is one of the plaintiffs, and Stuart Gullen of Utah Legal Clinic uh, is uh, representing some of the people uh, here. So we thought we'd revisit this debate. Very interesting. Hope you'll stay tuned. And you are welcome to join this conversation. Even though we're on tape today, we are giving your comments at the breaks. And so we have uh, five comments lined up right now. By the way, you can join us at upraxis at gmail.com, upraxis at gmail.com, or on our Utah Public Radio Facebook page. Here are comments on our Facebook page. Addison Pace writes in, It seems an odd law that screams, If you have nothing to hide, why are you afraid? I love this topic because it talks about our connection to our food and where it sometimes uh, is a strong disconnect. Uh, Terry Guy uh, uh, comments, I totally agree with Addison Pace. She says, I think it is a small person who is so ashamed of the work he or she does that he is afraid to be photographed uh, at his place of business. There has been way too much abuse in this industry, and it's totally unnecessary. Richard Guy adds, only in Utah, the politicians that create these top type of laws should really think about doing an activity that will allow them to receive a Darwin Award. You'll have to look up the Darwin Award. And uh, Story Powell says, I love animals, and I hate this law. And on our email, upraxis at gmail.com, this is Jeremy. He says Big Ag is lobbying for ag-gag laws for one simple reason. As people are starting to learn the truth about how animals are routinely abused and tormented on modern factory farms, they're giving up meat, dairy, and eggs in record numbers. For the past five years, meat consumption has declined with each successive year, and humane treatment of animals is cited as the most common reason people are ditching meat. Rather than working to end the worst abuses in the industry, such as castrations, dehorning, debeaking, and other mutilations without any painkillers, factory farms are fighting to keep their abuses secret. Shame on the Utah legislature for allowing animal abusers to hide their tracks. When exposing a crime is itself treated as a crime, you know you're being ruled by criminals. So those are comments uh, that we have received at upraxis at gmail.com and on our Utah Public Radio Facebook page. You're welcome to comment as well. We'll get your comment in at the next break. Thanks for listening to Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams. In the first test in the nation of a so-called ag-gag law, by the way, these laws uh, have been passed in several states. Uh, Utah's law passed in 2012. A Utah woman was recently charged for using her cell phone to film a slaughterhouse. Charges against Amy Meyer were subsequently dropped. Under Utah's law, House Bill 187, it's illegal to film or record a, an agricultural operation while trespassing or entering the premises on false pretenses. Do surreptitious whistleblowers at the farms and slaughterhouses provide a needed service, or are they a public nuisance? Do you think Utah's so-called ag-gag law is a necessary protection or an infringement on citizens' rights? Our guests include uh, Sterling Brown, Vice President of Public Policy for Utah Farm Bureau, animal welfare activist Amy Meyer, Meyer's defense attorney Stuart Gullen, and Vandana Bala, general counsel for the Mercy for Animals. Uh, let me uh, 
get in our uh, comment on Facebook. This is Erica Flugan. She says, I think that whistleblowers at farms and slaughterhouses provide a sadly needed service. They may be a nuisance to places that abuse animals, but I'm okay with that. If footage of animal abuse could prevent abuse and keep people accountable, I'm all for allowing it. I wonder, uh, get your response, uh, Vandana Bala, General Counsel with Mercy for Animals. Uh, by the way, uh, thank you for being patient and, uh, and uh, welcome to the program. Thank you. Um, sadly, there's not a single federal law that protects farmed animals from abuse or neglect during their lives on factory farms. And most states specifically exclude farmed animals from anti-cruelty protection. So without undercover investigations, there really are no effective watchdogs protecting animals from the egregious cruelty and neglect that they suffer in these facilities. Uh, the true intent of the Utah Ag-Ag Law HB 187 is quite clear. Uh, the law is designed to shoot the messenger and to intimidate animal protection groups from exposing the truth behind modern-day factory farming. And of course, we've uh, all seen uh, you know footage on you know so maybe your site or other other sites. Um, it, it, that's uh, you're you're trying to sway public opinion, aren't you? With with some of this footage, you're, you're trying to get some of the laws changed. What what is the goal? Well, the goal is to to show the public how their food is produced, uh, because we feel that the public absolutely has a right to know how animals are treated and how their food is produced. Uh, we've conducted several un undercover investigations in the past couple of years that have resulted in criminal prosecutions, dozens of criminal prosecutions of animal abusers. Uh, our investigations have led to corporate policy changes, improved animal welfare standards and policies by some of the uh, country's leading food suppliers, and uh, I think forms the basis for a very important dialogue for uh, a really important topic, which is the nation's food supply. Mr. Brown, Sterling Brown, Vice President of Public Policy for Utah Farm Bureau, uh, I, you said earlier, and I was, I'm, I'm guessing it's true, that the vast majority of agriculture producers in Utah are, are humane. Um, are, are there any, to your knowledge, that uh, are abusing animals? Not to my knowledge, but, but again, I'm not so naive to believe that uh, we have a clean slate. As with most industries, if not all industries, there may be some bad actors out there, and which makes the industry look bad. But, but these ranchers, they they have voluntarily chosen to be in the animal husbandry business because they love respect animals. It is in their best interest to properly care for these animals. Now, again, there may be some bad actors out there, and it's important that interest groups, government, the public in general, uh, keep an eye out because it's food, and we all need healthy, good food. Mm. But I think the underlying message is that the vast majority are practicing good animal husbandry practices because they want to, and on top of that, there's rules and regulations in which help enforce those kinds of practices. And, and so for those bad actors, uh, I think what I hear you saying is those rules and regulations are sufficient as they stand to, to root out those bad actors? We don't need these whistleblowers? Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, I'm, I'm guessing that uh, Von Dunabal and others have, have a different opinion. We're going to uh, probe uh, those disagreements, and maybe there are areas of agreement as well. We're talking about Utah's so-called ag-gag law, House Bill 187. Uh, the first test in the nation of one of these laws uh, came uh, in, in February and March uh, with the case of Amy Meyer, who we have on with us. Uh, she took out her cell phone and filmed uh, operations uh, standing on public property uh, of a slaughterhouse in the Salt Lake City area. We have a caller, uh, Ammon, in Logan. Ammon, uh, glad you called. Go ahead with your question or comment. Yeah, you know, I, I've been really intrigued by the conversation today. Um, one of my, I guess my comment would be, you know, it sounds like on both sides, there's an instance of, you know, our attempts at solving whatever we see the problem is, is actually helping to perpetuate the problem that we're trying to solve. I think with the ag-gag laws, you know, what we want to create is a sense of consumer safety. Um, we want people to feel 
like they're protected. And, you know, I think creating an additional boundary or creating an additional um, law that, you know, limits our visibility to, you know, certain operations, I, I think that's <clears throat> does the exact opposite. You know, I think the, the public looks at that and probably feels like, wow, you know, what is there to hide? Now, you know, whether there is or isn't something there to hide, I, I you know, I, I, I'm not uh, – <laughs> I think we're kind of past the days of Slaughterhouse Five, and and I don't think we're going to be hitting any huge exposés about <clears throat> widespread abuses. But you know, the lack of transparency I don't think really provides consumers with the level of trust that they want in the regulatory bodies. I mean, I think this particular law is saying, hey, you know, we we can't trust that. Um, you know, a regulatory body is going to take care of business, and you know, if the public is going to try to sweep in and do it from behind, you know, we've got to we've got to cover somebody's butt with that. And and on the flip side, you know, I I will tell you honestly, you know, I'm a I'm a meat eater. I I don't purchase meat typically from supermarkets. We we prefer to source to local growers and and local butchers. But you know, I I, I don't think that this kind of, you know, hey, let's go out and, and you know, try to capture disturbing footage is, is really going to be the way to solve it either. I think, again, you know, that's a, a solution that perpetuates the problem. Um, you know, if we want to get behind regulatory changes, we need to start working cooperatively with regulatory boards and have greater transparency there so that, you know, we can, we can make the changes that we want to see, you know, and, and if we feel like there's unethical treatment of animals, you know, let's talk about alternatives. Honestly, you know, I, I, I've worked on a farm. I, I see, you know, I, I hear what you're saying regarding there's a truck or a tractor carrying a, a diseased cow, you know, out of a slaughterhouse. And, and it's a hard question for a farmer of what do you do with a diseased cow that you don't want it? you don't want to have entered the food supply. So, I mean, let's look at alternatives. Let's look at what we can do proactively rather than, you know, you know, gag this group or, you know, try to undermine this other group. Let's, let's kind of work with what we've got. Thank you, Ammon. Appreciate those. Some good points there. We have Amy Meyer on, her attorney, Stuart Golan. We uh, are talking with Vandana Bala, General Counsel with Mercy for Animals, and uh, Sterling Brown, Vice President of Public Policy for Utah Farm Bureau. We do have another caller on the line. We're going to go to you uh, shortly, a dairy farmer. Interesting to get his perspective. I want to get a follow-up uh, with uh, Sterling Brown uh, on Ammon's first point, to Mr. Brown. Um, it, even if we stipulate that this was a, a good law, needed law, uh, could it be that uh, the effect is maybe having uh, the opposite effect? In other words, creating more suspicion uh, in, in, and not uh, creating confidence in the uh, agriculture industry? Well, I, there may be some wisdom to that, Tom. I, it's hard to draw a conclusion to that. The law is only a year old or so. Uh, the fact of the matter is we see more and more interest of the public wanting to know what's going on on these operations. And the agriculture community wants to accommodate that, generally speaking. Uh, there, there's thousands of public, their uh, parents, family, teachers through their local schools that are accessing farms and ranches across Utah every year at the farmer's request. There's an agriculture in the classroom program that's here in Utah that's nation-renowned for its uh, uh, positive influence in educating the public. There's a host of other programs that the agriculture community is trying to accommodate to properly educate the public on where their food and fiber comes from and are we perfect at it heavens no and are there weaknesses in the organization the industry certainly uh, but at the end of the day america enjoys the safest most affordable and abundant food supply and that ought to be the headline versus some of those other things hmm. Uh, let's go to our next caller, who is uh, John in Millard County. John, I understand you're a, a dairy farmer. That is true. Uh, glad you called. Go ahead with your question or comment. Um, well, thank you for 
taking my call. I, I am a, a large dairyman in, in Miller County, and I guess the first point I'd like to make is that uh, for us, dairying is a, it's a 365-day-a-year job. Our, our whole job is taking care of these animals, giving them the very best care that we can, uh, whether that's wintertime when you endure six weeks of, of 10 below zero or, or when it's a 100 degrees out, our whole being is concerned with keeping these animals well-fed, happy, well-cared for, and comfortable. And if we don't do that, our livelihood goes to pot in a hurry. So it, it's our job. It's the right thing to do. That's pretty much all we worry about. Um, I, I guess I feel a little bit insulted when I hear the terms factory farms and abuse, and it goes on every day. Well, the first thing you need to remember is is the goal of groups like Humane Society of the United States, Mercy for Animals, or PETA, is they are vegan groups, and their real intent is to wipe out animal agriculture. They want to make it go away. They want to impose regulations to make it impossible for us to do what we're supposed to do. They want to make it so we can't use new technologies that are available, and that's where these videos that have been made are largely contrived. People get themselves hired from these groups. They get on to dairies or any other kind of livestock operation, and the videos are contrived. They go to people into doing some of these things, which turn out later on to not be things that are really going on. And that's the kind of protection we need uh, from those kind of things happening. If there's people that are not doing what they're supposed to be doing, even on my own operation, we're looking for those people all the time. We're looking for people that don't take good care of animals, and they need to be dealt with, and they need to be made to go away. But these laws are to protect the nuisance that's going on, because I say these videos are largely contrived. They aren't real, and that's what we need to stop. If there's real stuff going on, it needs to be taken care of and nipped in the butt. There's no question about it. Thanks, John. appreciate your point of view. Uh, Thank you John called call. from, from uh, Millard County. He's a dairy farmer. We're talking about Utah's so-called ag-gag law. House Bill 187 passed in 2012. Makes it illegal to film an agricultural operation or, or sound recorded as well while trespassing or entering the premises on false pretenses. Uh, agriculture producers say that this is a, a necessary protection. Um, others uh, say that this is an infringement on uh, citizen rights, singling out operations, whistleblowing in one particular sector. We are talking with Sterling Brown, Vice President of Public Policy for Utah Farm Bureau. Animal Welfare Activist Amy Myers, she's the center of this case. Myers Defense Attorney Stuart Gullen and Vandana Bala, General Counsel with uh, Mercy for Animals. Before we go to break, uh, John raised a couple of points directed uh, directly at uh, Mercy for Animals and, and groups like you, so I want to give Vandana Bala uh, a chance to respond. First, uh, John said that uh, groups like yours, your your final aim, end goal, is to wipe out agriculture in the U.S. I think uh, that regardless of whether or not you know we, one is a vegetarian, something all Americans can agree on is that animals, including animals who are raised and killed for food, should not be tortured, abused, and neglected. Now, um, responsible and ethical businesses are eager or should be eager to open the doors of their operations and show the public how they operate their facilities. Uh, the fact is that whistleblowers play a very important role in our society by helping to expose dangerous and in inhumane conditions and instances of illegal cruelty. Mercy for Animals has conducted more than 20 undercover investigations at factory farms and slaughterhouses across the country. And every time our investigators enter these facilities, they document horrific animal abuse, including animals who are so intensively confined they often can't even turn around, animals who are mutilated without painkillers and denied proper veterinary care. And they're violently and often callously slaughtered while they're still fully conscious. And I think these are the things that the industry is trying to hide, that they're willing to go to such desperate measures to keep the public from finding out what goes on inside of these facilities. What do you say to, directly to, the, to this point? And I hear this as, as well from, from others, uh, maybe not as sweeping as John said it, but uh, there, maybe there's kind of a divide between vegetarians and vegans who uh, you know, want a reduction in, in meat production in, in the United States and, and those who eat meat who uh, are, you know, 
are okay with uh, with the, with the way the uh, meat is is produced. Um, what is the uh, the end goal? Is is just very strictly, I guess you would say, to end abuse of animals, not end meat production. Well, I think helping animals and you know ending meat production are not two different goals. Uh, Mercy for Animals does promote vegetarianism in order to help animals because the most effective way to prevent cruelty to farmed animals is to stop eating them. But as I mentioned previously, you know, regardless of whether a person is a vegetarian or not, I think we can all agree. In fact, 96% of all Americans agree that animals, all animals, including animals raised and killed for food, should be treated humanely. And that's you know, really what Mercy for Animals focuses on. I just wanted to follow up on, 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 on this point. Uh, I believe you said that uh, the, the, the ultimate way, paraphrasing, uh, the ultimate way to end uh, abuse of animals is to, is, is to end meat production. And uh, that's a pretty sweeping end goal. I mean, I think... It, it might sound sweeping, but, I mean, the bottom line is that uh, we can avoid the, the really atrocious suffering and abuse and neglect that billions of farmed animals experience every year in this country in, uh, in the agricultural system by adopting a healthy and humane vegetarian diet. And uh, to, to the point uh, that uh, John made, and you hear this argument as well, of Bala, um, the, the suspicion is that uh, these videos are, are doctored. This, uh, this video, uh, the word he used to contrive, this is contrived video. Yeah, I mean, those, those, claims, uh, those claims have been made in the past. They're unfounded and unproven claims that are completely false. The video footage doesn't lie. It doesn't take sides. Undercover investigations expose exactly when the meat industry doesn't think it's being watched, which is horrific animal cruelty. Animals crammed into filthy cages, barely larger than their own bodies. Workers often beating, kicking, and throwing animals, and animals suffering without proper veterinary care. Uh, the footage documents exactly what's happening inside of these facilities, behind the closed doors of these facilities. Lane in Cache Valley is our next caller. Lane, glad you called. Go ahead with your question or comment. Yeah, I just, a uh, uh, question, I guess, is that uh, when when I have seen uh, the different scenarios of, uh, of the abuse, um, and again, as a, as a beef producer, which I am, and we, we have like a number of uh, beef cows that run out on range, and then in the winter they're, uh, they're fed hay stocks and, uh, and pretty quality feed, but um, but those who have chosen to uh, pinpoint certain areas, the absolute worst of things that can happen, and then make it public uh, to say this is the whole industry, just really uh, drives at what uh, what we as most, uh, I, I think, 99% of the producers uh, are really trying to do a good job and produce a wholesome product, and and we're utilizing uh, areas of the of the country where we graze. There's nothing else can come off of that. You can't raise uh, potatoes or carrots or um, or almost any other product that a human can eat off of that area, that range. And uh, and so those cattle, most of their life, are are spent in grazing off of those uh, and uh, and producing a product that. Uh, um, can't really be reproduced uh, anywhere else. And so I, I just take offense a lot of, the, of how much time is spent in trying to just destroy that whole industry. Mm. Uh, Lane in Cache Valley, thank you so much. I appreciate your call. We'll get response from, from our guests. We're going to take a brief break, and when we come back, we'll uh, conclude our uh, panel discussion on Utah's so-called ag-gag law. Uh, had its first uh, test when uh, Amy Meyer... Uh, filmed with her uh, cell phone operations at a slaughterhouse. She was charged. Charges were uh, subsequently dropped. This is the first, we believe, uh, test of a any ag-gag law. There, was, there are laws like this in several states. And that list of states is, is growing somewhat. And we're talking with Sterling Brown, Vice President of Public Policy for Utah Farm Bureau, Animal Welfare Activist Amy Meyer, Meyer's Defense Attorney Stuart Gullen, and Vandana Bala, General Counsel with Mercy for Animals. And we have a caller from Moab following the break. 
Programming on Utah Public Radio is made possible in part by our members and Utah Festival Opera and Musical Theater in Logan, presenting the reading of the revised musical Rex on Wednesday, July 31st at 1 p.m. in the Ellen Eccles Theater. Perform script in hand with no costumes, lighting, or sets. Information at utahfestival.org. Programming on Utah Public Radio is made possible in part by our members and Utah Festival Opera and Musical Theater in Logan presenting a public lecture by lyricist Sheldon Harnick on Tuesday, July 30th at 10 a.m. in the DeSante Building. Ticket information at utahfestival.org. I'm Tom Williams. You're listening to Access Utah. Hope you are enjoying the debate today. We decided to revisit this uh, debate on the Ag-Ag law from May because there's a new development uh, under uh, Utah's uh, so-called Ag-Gag law. Uh, two animal rights groups and six individuals have filed a civil lawsuit. That happened yesterday in U.S. District Court. They are challenging Utah's so-called Ag-Gag law. They say it's overly broad and discriminates against free speech about activities of animal uh, agricultural operations. So eight plaintiffs, uh, two organizations, and uh, six individuals. And Amy Meyer we've been talking about, and she's on the program today. Uh, she is one of those plaintiffs. And Stuart Gullen, who's also on the program, is representing them along with three California attorneys. And so we're offering you the chance to comment. We had several comments earlier in the program, and we invite you to join us on our Utah Public Radio Facebook page. Or you can join us by email at upraxcess at gmail.com, upraxcess at gmail.com. And here's an email from Glenn. He says, I work in the oil field in the Uinta Basin. We are under constant scrutiny, which has only been intensified by the proliferation of cell phone cameras. If anything, this has made the industry regionally and nationally more aware and accountable. Furthermore, I grew up on a farm slash ranch. I strongly agree with a transparent industry that can and should be held accountable even when some extraordinary means are undertaken. Only the bad actors have anything to fear from transparency. That's Glenn. You can join the conversation here as well at upraxis at gmail.com or on a Utah Public Radio Facebook page. Thanks for listening to Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams listening to Access Utah on Utah Public Radio. We're talking about uh, Utah's so-called ag-gag law, House Bill 187, passed in 2012. Uh, This is similar, uh, but not exactly the same as uh, laws passed in several states. Uh, Utah's law would make it, makes it illegal to film or uh, sound record uh, agricultural operations while trespassing or entering the premises on false pretenses. Supporters of the law say that this is a needed protection for the agricultural industry. Opponents say this is singling out whistleblowers in just this industry. Unfair and an infringement on citizen rights. Amy Meyer, uh, in February... Standing on public property, uh, filmed uh, operations with her cell phone uh, at a slaughterhouse. She was charged under this law. Charges were subsequently dropped, and we're talking about it on this part of the program. Sterling Brown, Vice President, Public Policy for Utah Farm Bureau, Animal Welfare Activist Amy Meyer, Meyer's Defense Attorney Stuart Golan, and Bondana Bala, General Counsel for Mercy for Animals, are with us. And uh, so we have on the line John and Moab, and Jennifer and Vernal has called back. Uh, Be patient. I do have this email. Let me read the email first. This is Whit Milligan uh, writing in at upraxis at gmail.com. Uh, Whit Mulligan says, Milligan rather, this, the focus needs to be more on the ethical and humane treatment of animals and not on the production of food. If it can't be done humanely, it shouldn't be done at all. The current standards may not be appropriate, and the only way for people to know about it is for those who see and are able to film it and to share it. Uh, producers of food need to be held accountable for the humane treatment of animals. There is a great deal of evidence out there that shows that this is often not the case. This is Wit in uh, Logan. Uh, I want to go back to uh, Amy Meyer. What what do you hope comes out of out of your case? Well, I think that my experience demonstrates that this law that is supposedly narrowly tailored um, is going to be exploited by the meat industry to instill fear in law-abiding people. Um, Ag-gag laws create a chilling effect on all forms of information gathering, and the only responsible thing to do in a free society is to reject these laws altogether. So I'm hoping that people are starting to realize this and realizing that um, the way that it can affect even law-abiding people, um, and, and hopefully we can start doing something to get these bills 
um, in other states, you know, to stop them from passing and hopefully um, to get ours off the book here in Utah as well. Hmm. Stuart Gullen, what do you think will happen from this? This isn't an exact test because uh, uh, your client, uh, Amy, was able to prove she was on uh, public uh, property. So, so for an exact test, maybe an upcoming uh, case will, will happen. But what do you think will happen coming out of uh, Amy's case? Well, I don't know exactly what will happen coming out of Amy's case, but I'm quite confident that either in Utah or in states that have enacted similar legislation, there will be legal challenges to these kinds of laws. And they're not limited simply to the agricultural industry. For instance, um, Indiana's law has been expanded to incorporate the filming or information gathering of mining operations and the mining industry. And we have a long history in this country supported by the First Amendment that when something becomes hotly contested area of debate, we welcome more speech. If somebody is saying something that you think is unfair or mischaracterizes your industry, what we have always done is allow more speech and more debate. If you want to say what's happening, we don't shut the doors and block out inquiry. We invite more inquiry. We have open meetings laws. We have open records laws. All of these sort of sunshine laws are designed to foster a public debate, and that sort of public debate is a protected debate under the First Amendment. So I would imagine that we will start to see legal challenges. Hmm. Let's go. Uh, let's go next to uh, Jennifer. She was first in. We uh, somehow dropped her, and she's back. Jennifer and Vernal, uh, glad you yes. called. Go ahead with your question or comment. Yes. Can you hear me? Uh, yes, I can hear you. Okay. Um, it's awkward for me because John Mathis is a terrific. <laughs> veterinarian out here. He's the sponsor and, of the House Bill 187. Uh-huh. And, and uh, just his son is, is our bishop, okay, just recently. And so I feel awkward just approaching them and asking, well, I, I think it be more approachable. But my, my question was, are we scaring the legitimate producers, okay? And that dairy farmer sounds like what we want all the producers to be, okay? Um, Are we scaring the legitimate ones um, by uh, by finding the the few bad apples? And and I'm guessing in Utah we're basically humane people. Um, And so, so is it because their livelihoods, farmers aren't famous for making tons of money, okay? Um, can can we approach this in such a way that we're not scaring the the legitimate decent um, producers? We're just trying to shut down the. I mean, this is almost like Upton Sinclair's The Jungle, isn't it? You know, I mean, some people would not eat certain kinds of meat uh, if they knew how. You know, if they knew how that meat were produced. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. And and so a few a few bad apples may be making it so that the legitimate people's uh, uh, livings are threatened because people may make generalizations and think, well, that's how all of these people are doing it. And so can't we somehow, you know, come up with a way to, to monitor uh, these operations and, and shut down the the bad guys while keeping the good guys uh, afloat because they work their butts off. I, I know that. That's my question. Oh, it's an th- economic threat, and, I'm, yeah. and it's not fair to the legitimate producers. Oh, th- but, thanks, thanks for that, Jennifer. Yeah. Interesting point. Uh, I want to throw that first to Sterling Brown with the uh, Utah Farm Bureau. What about uh, possible economic effects from the publicity that, that comes from some of these whistleblowing videos? Well, there's there's no doubt that there's some economic effects. I, uh, I guess one thought that comes to mind there, Tom, is is at the end of the day, we have a 1,500-pound mother cow that may be sick and needs to be moved for uh, veterinarian access or health care attention. And John, for example, out in Millard on the call there, is unable to move that animal. So equipment is necessary to move that kind of animal in that example. And, of course, your email, Tom, that you read, I so wholeheartedly support the first half of that email in which animals must be cared for humanely. 
and if that equipment could hoist and move and transport that animal so that she can be given proper care in a humane way, that's what we're about, that's what we support, that's what we advocate for, that's what we want to see time and time again, not this other kind of footage that makes the 10 o'clock news. And I'll, uh, um, I, we could get a response from others of our guests uh, to Jennifer, but we're running out of time. We want to fit in uh, some calls and emails. Uh, John in Moab is up next. John, glad you called. Go ahead with your question or comment. Uh, John, are you there? Yeah, can you hear me now? Y- yes, I can hear you now. Yes, okay. go, go ahead. Um, well, I've got a slightly different uh, view of the whole thing. First of all, I'm, you know, I'm glad somebody mentioned up, Upton Sinclair. I guess he'd be in jail if he were alive right now, wouldn't he? Um, but um, in terms of the animal welfare people, I, I think they have noble motivation. But I also think that nobody has mentioned that they may actually be inadvertently doing a public health service. And that is, as we all know, that stressed animals are more susceptible to things like disease. They can become downer animals. Um, they, they, and this produces, say, a poor product. And... Um, you know, I, I'm a meat eater, and of course, I want to get the best product I can afford. You know, whatever it is, and so I, I think that uh, maybe we haven't talked enough about what stress does to an animal, and I mean various stresses, whether it be crowding or or, or you know, ill handling or I- any of that, even in the slaughtering process itself. And I do admit, you know, it's not a pretty business, but boy, you know, we do like our steaks, you know, on the weekend. Yeah, that, that's, a, that's a good point. Uh, thanks, John. And uh, we have a couple of uh, people to, to fit in, so we'll, uh, we'll have to leave your comment there. Appreciate you calling. Um, let us go next to an email, and then we have Reed and Lewiston. And that, that may conclude the, the program. We're running out of time. This is what our emailer, who had just... Uh, uh, signs in uh, via their telephone. I moved to central Utah from the city. I'm an animal lover and not a farmer. I was surprised to see how much the farmers took care of their animals. It is in the farmer's best interest to raise a healthy and happy animal. They can't sell unhealthy animals. They worry about disease, nutrition, and predators. Well, these uh, there are some poor farmers in the nation who abuse uh, the animals and make the industry look bad. The massive farmers care more for their animals than they even do for their human neighbors. So that is an emailer. And uh, Reed in Lewiston is next up. Reed, glad you called. Go ahead with your question or comment. I just uh, more comment. I'm a dairy farmer in, in Lewiston, and, and as far as uh, animal welfare, and uh, we try to uh, provide the best. Uh, conditions for cows. I do some grazing uh, on irrigated pasture, uh, but uh, uh, we, we feel like cows more comfortable they are, and uh, you know they always do better. And, and so we provide, try to provide the, the best uh, situation and best conditions for the cows as possible. And I think all ag people uh, try to do that. This is their livelihood. This is what we do. Thank you for that. I appreciate that, uh, Reed. Um, and uh, we, we've come down now to the end of the program. I want to just give a couple of people uh, very quick last words. Uh, uh, Amy Meyer, what, uh, what, what, what's next for you? Are you going to con- continue uh, with, with activism? What, uh, what are you going to do next? Absolutely. I will continue to be an advocate for animals um, and try to increase public awareness about what is happening inside um, the meat industry, and I would encourage all of the farmers who have called in who believe to be legitimate businesses to open their doors and let people make their decisions.